Before we get to the cinematic fun this week, we've got a new sponsor we want to talk about, and that sponsor is Podcorn. Podcorn's a new online marketplace that links up podcasts like Off Screen with some really awesome sponsorship opportunities for things like host-read ads like this one, interview segments for people way more interesting than I, uh, competitions, discussions, all sorts. So no middleman, uh, no intermediaries, doesn't matter how big or how little your podcast is, you can browse and choose between potential advertisers right on the web portal, set how much you want to charge, pitch them what you want, and boom. You never have to give up any of the rights to your show. There's full support to make sure you're protected, compensated, and making that paper for the sponsorship work you do. It's all about transparency, creative freedom, and giving you full control of how and when you monetize. So, if you're a podcaster, click in the link in the show notes for this episode, sign up, and get yourself some sponsorship. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. Now, let's get cinematic. This week, we're taking Jumanji to the next level. We're meeting Citizen K, and we're going to scale a pink wall. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect, and this is your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Welcome to Off Screen. Another week of filmic fun to be had. Miss Perfect in the house. I know, I know. Uh, lead up to Christmas is creeping around very quickly. We should probably start talking Christmas movies. At some we, we, point. we probably should. I think we've got. I think we've got one. I think <laughs> in the stretch. Yeah. It, it stops me from feeling Christmassy. I feel like there should be more coming out. You know what I discovered uh, this last week? I didn't realise this. You know the Sky Cinema premiere on Christmas Day this year? Mm. Well, last year it was Avengers Infinity War. So I just naturally assumed that this year would be Avengers Endgame. Because I sat yeah. there with, with my nephew Hank last year and the dog and we watched Infinity and War. And that will be your new Christmas tradition. I would love it if it were. However... Endgame is actually Sky Cinema's premiere on Boxing Day this year. What? The Christmas Day premiere, and I didn't realise they had held off on this for a year, well, for half the year, is Mary Poppins Returns. Oh. Yeah. That is... Now, how I good is that for a Christmas movie? That is yeah. really good. That is really good. And I did love that film. Mm. So, yes, if you haven't seen it before, Settle Down, Christmas Day, that should be your Christmas movie. Absolutely. Oh, good. You've got me in the festive cheer. Yeah, that's, that's it, isn't it? You're thinking of nice films 100%. now. 100%. Did you join the masses of people watching Love Actually on Sunday when they were putting their trees up? Uh, no. Uh, and I'll tell you why because I was out. Yeah, fair enough. As, as reasons And I'd already go. have my Christmas tree up. So like, we had the We had yeah. Asm, yeah. But no, and do you know what? I actually watched, I watched a Netflix Christmas movie when I got back in. I watched that uh, Knight's Tale, spelt with a K. Oh, yeah, the Christmas Night. The, the, the Christmas Vanette, night. The, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Not a Knight's Tale, yeah. The yeah. Night Before Christmas, sorry. Um, the one with Vanessa Hudgens, who was your Netflix go-to girl. Oh, I love her. Yeah, yeah. She's in Bad Boys 3, you know. Excellent news. Yeah, I will say I alternatively I spent my uh, my Sunday at a Spice Girls drag show. So Excellent. I, I went to the Bond Museum. I came in here and talked to Jamie on Eastworld, and I went to the Spice Girls drag show. Yeah. As one does. In here being the Talk Radio Towers. The talk that Radio we both Towers. Like frequent regularly. So uh, let's talk about a film that actually does weirdly kind of work as a Christmas film in a strange way. Didn't expect it to. It was definitely a film that I think go with your mates to go and watch, and it's yeah. a really good excuse to actually go to the cinema because it's big. It's great to see on the big screen. It's huge fun. You'll be howling with laughter throughout it got an amazing cast of course we're talking about Jumanji the next level um this for me uh, was a gamble l l when the first film came out wasn't it such a gamble because I was it, like what are you gonna it do was, it was right right can I just stop that yeah. right there right okay because this is my pet peeve with this movie right can we not start with the positive no 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 hang on <laughs> because you just said the first movie 
No, I know it's not the, fir the first movie of the reboot. Right, the, f the first one of the reboot. The first thing. modern okay. movie okay. version of but it. But we have we we established very firmly now in this movie. This is Jumanji three. Yes, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. But then again, they did that in the last movie, and no one bloody noticed. It yeah. drove me insane. Yeah. But, no, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, my worry about the first movie was the fact was how are you going to shift and turn yeah. the format to move away from the iconic Robin Williams film. And Kirsten Dunst was also in that as well. Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but they did it so well. You know, converting Jumanji from a board game to a video game that, works brilliantly. It did, didn't it? Now that was my concern about them doing a third one because my question became: Okay, you've gone from uh, board game to, to video game. That's a great leap. Where do you go next? Does it become a mobile game? Um, uh, you know, <laughs> that, that was my genuine question. Now yeah. what they've done is taken it in the new direction of: Okay, one of the teams from the first movie is feeling dis enfranchised with his return to the real world. A bit like Natalie Portman in uh, Lucy in, in the Sky, but so much better. Yeah, so this doesn't suck, I know, yeah. Uh, so he voluntarily goes back into a rebuilt Jumanji, and he has evidently rebuilt the game for yeah. reasons, goes back in to try and recapture his glory as Dr. Smolder Bravestone, because why wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, if, be honest, if I had the ability to go and live as Dwayne Johnson in a jungle and be like an immortal superhero, I goddamn would. It's all about the smolder, right? It is. It's all about <laughs> smoldering intensity, yeah. Um, and of course, as he goes in, his remaining three friends, who are all home for Christmas, hence the clever yeah, seasonal yeah, rules, yeah, yeah. all go back in with him, back in to find him. However, they unknowingly take along Spencer's granddad, played by Danny DeVito, and his estranged former best friend and business partner, Milo, played by uh, Danny, uh, Danny Glover. Glover. Spencer. Huh? What? Who are you? Oh my God. You're Spencer's grandfather. Are we in Florida? And you? Milo Walker. Did I die and turn into some kind of a small, muscular Boy Scout? Are we dead? Bethany? No, no, no! Rich? I'm the old fat dude. This can't be happening! My hip sure feels good now. Look at my thighs. Look at your thighs. Look at my thighs. Okay. We have some issues here. The game is busted! It was a game. I'm not it. I don't want to be it. Yeah, and I mean, that that surprise... So my biggest gripe with this was that you lose that surprise element. The mm. overall surprise element of converting Jumanji into a video game. Well, it's like our clip as well is literally that same scene from the last movie when they, they're waking up in the bodies yeah. and, and it's, it's trying to work out who's who. And it's the same scene again. And there's a number of scenes like that where it is Let's do that same gag from the first one. There's a music. Because it works. It, exactly. And there's a musical beat, for instance, that comes back. You're like, oh, of course we're doing this again. Okay, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but it I is didn't all mind like it, you know? Mm. I didn't mind the fact that that, that was the case because I thought they did it so well. I mean, for me, I love The Rock, don't get me wrong, mm. but I wondered how far his acting capabilities could stretch. About as far as impersonating Danny DeVito seems to be the answer to that but question. But do you know what? Fair play to him. Well, I think no one could do Danny DeVito. Nobody could do Danny DeVito, yeah. but he gave it a damn good shot. And the thing is, is the, the, the irony of having The Rock playing little Danny DeVito, mm. it was just perfect kind of juxtaposition of characters. I would argue that I think Kevin Hart has more fun being Danny uh, Glover. Danny Glover. Yeah, yeah. And it, I think it's because obviously he does that voice better, and obviously Danny Glover, I feel like, is a more attainable impersonation anyway. But yeah. also, there is something sort of weirdly more charming about Danny Glover in a, in a strange <laughs> yeah. way, whereas Danny DeVito is generally irascible. Danny Glover is always quite likeable yes. and, and yes. befuddled. Yeah. And I feel like that is obviously more fun to play. The, 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 the slight 
additional gripe that I had was mm. that I thought Jack Black played the character Bethany in the first film Better so than, well, yes. and we didn't see enough of that I in agree. this movie. And I think that for me was just a little bit of a shame because it, that made me really laugh in the first movie and yeah. I could have just done with a little bit more of that. I will say though that there is there is some element of body swapping to this past the obvious setup yeah. that does lead to a bring it on gag that had me well, absolutely hysterics. Yeah, I, I saw this and I was like, I don't know which bit you're talking about and I got confused. I'll, 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 he's a cheerleader champ. And I'll, okay. I'll tell you afterwards. Okay. Um, I will say there is an Easter egg in the final five minutes of this movie right. that I think is genuinely brilliant if you're a fan of the series in general. And will also have people genuinely scratching their heads if they don't remember the very specifics of how the first movie ended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the sequel setup that I really liked as well. Yeah. Um, I think Karen Gillan is the scene stealer again. I think yeah, she's the absolute she's standout. Yeah, brilliant in Is this. she Gillan or Gillan? I think I say Gillan, but... Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I like Ruby Roundhouse. I think she's easily the standout. Yeah, and she's got those kind of generic um, sort of cat, uh, avatar parts to her, so she yeah. can do all the moves and she can do like a dance kick and all this kind of stuff. Well, she I think... gets added humour in this one because she's the only one who's in her original uh, her, her avatar from the, from the last yeah. time. So she's the only one who understands her own abilities. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. a nice, nice fun subversion because she was the shy one in the last one. But she's kind of come into her own, yeah. and I think that's the thing is that all the characters they've kind of grown up a little. They've had a few more life experiences mm. before they go back into the game, and then they think they know what they're going to get from Jumanji. They think they're going to go through exactly the same game again but things have all shifted and changed. This does noticeably have more of a villain than the last one does yeah. as well though, which yeah. is something the last movie I always thought suffered from. There were some very obvious edits that had removed a lot of Bobby Carnavale's yeah. parts. Yeah. Uh, for instance, he was meant to be Dwayne Johnson's former business partner right. in that last movie. Never comes up, it's mentioned casually once. And you're like, okay, so they should know each other. Yeah. Also, yeah. we never saw the kid's dad in the real world and he looks an awful lot like Bobby Carnavale. So if we're going with the gimmick from the first movie, the, the same actor would play the dad. Doesn't make sense that they cut, cut that out, but there we are. It was a long movie, I suppose. Yeah. I liked it. I As really a sequel, liked it. I think it's a little bit more desperate and flailing than Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah, I think it's also trying to set itself up for a third as well, which I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure we need a third of it. But to be honest, it's likeable, it's got action, it's got adventure, it's got good laughs, it's got good acting, it's mm. got beautiful scenery as well. You're after that big cinematic experience. Goes to the places, doesn't it? Goes to new places. If you're after that big cinematic experience, go see this with your friends in the cinema. It will really work for you. Do you, you. think this is an IMAX viewing? I do, actually. Yeah, I think you've got to take scope. it in. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed the screen that we all went to watch it on, which was like huge. We, we um, saw IMAX. Yeah, yeah, we did see it. We saw Little Women in IMAX. I, I mean, know, that was um, But yeah, for me, that is a, I'd say one and three quarters thumbs up. Ooh, one and three quarters. Yeah, Ooh, I We were edging, it. we were edging. I was edging. Yeah, right. I really enjoyed it. One and a half thumbs up from me. Okay, fine. Uh, I, I will be there for Jumanji 4. Yeah. Uh, I do find it amusing that Welcome to the Jungle and The Next Level are both uh, UK titles for other movies, uh, which are The Rundown and Triple X State of the Union, respectively. Nice. But uh, yeah, okay, interesting coincidence. Uh, bring me Jumanji 4, be there with bells on. Bring it on. So we've just visited the next level with Jumanji. Um, we're going to take it. Weird, isn't it? Because we have about four levels, not yeah, just the next one. I know. But, you know. I'm like, how many more levels are there going to be on this? No, it's a really, really enjoyable movie. And here at Offscreen, we're not just talking about the big movie that's out this week. We've got other ones as well that you might want to see on an alternative fashion, uh, starting with Citizen K. Not Citizen Kane, 
Citizen K. Yeah, I hate this. Every time I've typed it into a search engine all it week long, as soon as you get to the K, it adds the A N. You get the life history of Orson Welles. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't, don't, I don't care. I want the new Alex Gibney documentary, and that's what it is. I love me an Alex Gibney documentary. Right. Yeah. Uh, been a fan of Gibney's for absolutely years, and uh, this is his documentary about Mikhail Khodorkovsky. Uh, do Say you, that again. Mikhail Khodorkovsky. Okay. Right. Mikhail Khodorkovsky was at one point believed to be the single wealthiest man in all of Russia. Ooh, and the way that this happened, after the fall of the Soviet Union, he was one of the powers that be that got into the relatively new at that point, you know, concept of modern media. Yeah. You know, he was one of the guys who either intentionally or otherwise helped to build Putin as a power. And as Putin rose and rose to become the Putin that we know today, yeah. he obviously started looking inwards at potential threats, people within his social circle, and Khodorkovsky would go on to spend a decade in prison, but he would never give up and he would eventually get out and let his opinion be known. He stood as a political force opposite Putin, and he does to this day, only now he's based right here in London. Uh, we've not got a clip for you because it is nearly all in Russian. Uh, Gibney himself comes to London, and we, we see him on the Piccadilly line, wow. you know, interviewing Khodorkovsky. It's very strange when you see this deposed political, you know, this, this exiled political So strange that it's so near, yeah. Yes, it's it is so near. It's all of our stomping ground, and we yeah, just see this guy being crazy. interviewed. Yeah, I, I kept thinking, like, oh, Bex, am I going to walk past this guy in a moment? Well, or? I wouldn't know who Alex Gibney was if I didn't know, see him in real life. But mm. what I do know is that he did produce the documentary that I love, which is Going Clear, which the is Scientology, Scientology one. one. Yes. That for me, I mean, I saw the Louis Theroux one as well, but for me, I felt like Going Clear explained from start to finish exactly what Scientology was. It made it all clear. <laughs> <laughs> Going Clear was clear for you, yes. But it had, it had everything. But whereas like when you step into something like Louis Theroux's Scientology documentary, you, um, you basically get to only see it from his point of view and you have to have some sort of understanding before you go in um, and watch it, which I think this one allows us to, um, you know, to, to visit that topic without, you know, having seen anything before. That's the power I think Alex Gibney has. Alex Gibney's a very good yeah. documentarian. I will say as well, his uh, WikiLeaks documentary, We Still Secrets. Yeah. That was genuine. That's from 2013. That is really good as well. That was about that point when we started getting the uh, the Benedict Cumberbatch movie and things like that. You know when uh, uh, what do you call him? Assange was like a fashionable guy for five minutes. Oh, yeah. It was around that point we started getting all the films. Um, also, if Freakonomics, I think a lot of people see yep. Freakonomics. And the Armstrong lie was quite popular as well. The oh, Lance Armstrong one. Yeah, was that... I thought, sorry, I'm getting confused with the Ron Howard one of those. Is that... Is that the one with Chris O'Dowd? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Was, I think that was the programme. That was the narrative one, and then there was a documentary one. Well, there's the been so time. many. Well, yes, there were. Yeah, <laughs> turns out people were very, uh, very into him. But, say, Alice Gibney, great documentary. The problem with this film, although I didn't really know the story, I'm a Russian history nerd. But because I became a Russian history nerd around like my GCSE years, yeah. because obviously we did Russian history as part of our GCSE, but, uh, my Russian history only really goes up to the, the Bolsheviks. No, the early to mid 90s. <laughs> oh, right. Goes from uh, early 20th century through to uh, yeah. the fall of communism. So my Russian history really is hazy after that. Okay. And it's not something that is tremendously well documented in media, other than uh, we know who Putin is because of contemporary geopolitics, how it relates to Trump, etc. Yeah. We yeah. now know yeah. a lot more about Does, does he make it so relatable in the sense that he um, it is people that are kind of go, I've got these issues with Trump, I've got these issues with Putin. 
I've got um, all of these other issues, that, you know, that you can understand that from yes, this documentary. Yes, he does. In fact, my argument with it is I think he makes it too broad. Ah, I actually okay. think, because there's an entire section about, about Putin in there that you just sit and think, I know who Putin is. Yeah. I don't need a, a Putin biography because I know who he is. But then I do sit there and think, yeah, but I understand that not everyone does. So, okay, I guess. We all have a quite a skewed sort of view of Putin as well. Like, yeah. we see what we want to see because of what the media are portraying him to be. You know, we don't know why he keeps, well, we, we don't know why he keeps getting voted in, but he does. And <laughs> we can imagine why he keeps We can getting, imagine. Yeah. yeah, we can imagine. But actually, who knows what goes on? And we only see it from one side over here. Which I, I will say, it does make its point. It does tell its story well. It is a little bit sluggish in the first half and then as a result has to race through the second okay. I think, with a pro an overlong Putin section smash sure. in the middle. I thought that was to its to its detriment. But other than that, it is a solid Alex Gibney documentary. There's no, there, there isn't really a bad Alex Gibney documentary. Mm. I think Zero Days was a bit trying, but okay. uh, I think that was the, the, the cyber one. But I, would, I, I, I mean, I would say on the scale of Alex Gibney documentaries, if you haven't seen one, and if you can get hold of it still, Going Clear is a Going Clear one. is the best one. It's the it, best it is, one by far. It? Yeah. It's the best one. But I was, don't know if yeah. you can watch it anymore. I, isn't it? It was banned. It had a one-time showing on Sky, which I remember I cancelled everything in my diary to watch it. I feel like it was on Prime. Oh, is it back? I, I watched like it again it was on Prime in a heartbeat on Netflix at to some refresh point. myself. Right. I definitely watch it. Okay, let's let's move on because otherwise we could talk about this for hours. Yeah. Okay. We have five minutes then to talk about uh, uh, Pink Wall. Okay. This is Tom Cullen directing. Yeah, I did not know who Tom Cullen was. Did Explain you not? Explain to me who Tom Cullen is, Okay, please. Downton Abbey fans, you'll recognise Tom Cullen right. from that. Who is he? Is he in the movie? Because I've not really seen the series. He's not. In, I don't think he is in the movie, but he is in the series. Okay. Um, he, uh, you're testing me now. I'm literally pulling plays. up a picture of but him. But he because... also did, I remember his breakout movie, um, mm. which was a small independent movie, and I went and found it and wanted to watch it because I thought he's one to watch, right? Yeah. And what he's been doing in his career is taking on solid TV roles, solid um, kind of film roles here, there, and everywhere. And he's building his way up. And I think now, interestingly, he's yeah. stepping into the role of director. That's it, he has written and directed this. And it's a really interesting project to make you start with. So this is... Oh, Weekend was this breakout movie. Week, I, yes. I know of Weekend. Yeah. Uh, right, there is a weird connection actually with an element of this film as well, which is the only connection I can find to it to, for him. So this is an 82 minute long, so it's not particularly trying for runtime. 82 minute long, kind of indie romantic drama, less emphasis on the, well actually not romantic drama, relationship drama, because okay. there's next to no romance in it. Okay. Right, it stars Tatiana Maslany and Jay Duplass, who's the Jay, who's the Duplass. So Tom Cullen isn't in this. He isn't in it, okay. right. So you've got Jay Duplass, who's the Duplass brother that you see least. Right. You usually see Mark Duplass, yep. who's currently in the yep. morning show. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yes. And also... Is we're... he Chip in the morning show? Yeah. Yes. And almost ironically is in Bombshell in a very contrasting role <laughs> to that Brilliant. as well. Um, but Tatiana Maslany, Jay Duplass are an American couple who meet living in the UK, who enter into a relationship. It is non-linear. It hops around the timeline. So we see the beginning and the end sort of simultaneously, things like that. Uh, you know, the middle happens with their first meeting, all sorts all shot with this glorious, very mid-90s, independent, almost human traffic visual, Richard Linklater oh, kind of visual, okay. smash up a visual fusion. And there's a lot of pondering, there's a lot of navel gazing, there's a lot of relating. I have a confession. Um, my dad doesn't like me and I'm never gonna get over it. <clears throat> Just put that in your pocket and, you know, do whatever you will. 
father's an alcoholic and he's been in rehab for 10 years on and off. Okay. So, whatever. I guess he win. I win. <laughs> So not really one for amazing dialogue, if you go there. It's you know, it's a lot of just discussing whatever the hell is on your mind at the time. You know you mentioned about the the kind of the way the cinematography was within yes. this, right? So I wonder if we're we're starting a trend maybe within 2020 and the, the back end of 2019, where mm. we're seeing more alternative cinematography. So marriage story is a good example yes. of yeah. where they've shifted it, made it look grainy, made it look actually like love story. Yes. Yeah. Now it's funny you say that. I, I had the thought about marriage story when I was watching it. I, did, yeah. I, I started compiling a list of movies this year that just don't want us to have relationships. Uh, yep. Well, yeah. <laughs> movies that are just like stay single. Relationships forever. bad. Yeah. Just stay single forever. Sperm donors. It's the way future. It's the way forward. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that let's kind of. Let's keep things economical. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's keep it. Let's keep this transactional. As they say, in yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's. I think it's very good. I think it's a bit of a, uh, an actor's workshop, but I think outside of that, it's a very raw, very uh, unflinching, very uncompromising, sharp, pointed uh, study of a relationship. Tatiana Maslany is absolutely terrific in it. I think Tom Cullen makes for a really impressive talent here behind the camera. Um, it is not a film I would watch again. But I do think it is a tremendous work, even if it does feel a little bit like uh, sort of, you know, this was made to impress people at festivals so you could get studio I was going to say, it's not, it doesn't sound to me like it's going to be something where people are going to rush to get bums on seats for this. Exactly. I'll give it a thumb up. Yeah. But I can't give it the one and a half. Fair enough. So if you are not sparing the time to go out to the big screen and see all of the big movies and the slightly smaller movies that are out this week, then make sure you stay in on the comfort of your own sofa, in fact, because there is a jam-packed week ahead of movies on TV. And we're going to kick off on Saturday, probably at the right time, really, to kick off with a Star Wars movie, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the next Star Wars movie is a week off at that point. Like, exactly. was it six days off? Also, I'm just going to throw it out there. Mm. I think Star Wars fans do not agree on anything. Yeah. Right. I think one of the few things Star Wars fans can agree on is that Rogue One might be the best of the current crop of yeah. Star Wars movies. I think. If we're being objective. Yeah. I think because it, there is no weight of expectation upon it. Yeah. It is still a prequel, but it's a damn good one. Yeah. And it proved that Gareth Edwards, Gareth Edwards, Gareth Edwards, Gareth Edwards, was a bloody good director. That's an impounded Imperial ship. What's your call sign, pilot? Um, we have to go. It, it's, um... Say something. Rogue? Rogue One. Rogue One? There is no Rogue One. Well, there is now. Rogue One. Pulling away. Pulling away. I have to say, I really enjoyed this. So you say prequel, spin-off? I mean, yeah, how do we look it? at it? It's yeah. a weird one. Mandalorian's technically a prequel. This one for me, I mean, I did grow up watching Star Wars. Mm. I do love it, but I'm not a fanatic you about Star Wars. this entire movie is just to fill a plot hole. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Uh. But what it does is it does it in a very accomplished way. Right, it brings in Felicity Jones, oh, Felicity. brings in Diego Luna. It's got a whole cast that you don't recognise, so you're not linking it immediately back. And it can build its own, what, I that, know. 
A whole cast you don't... Donnie no, no, Bloody no. Yen is in this movie, I'll have okay. Come on. All right. Okay. Johnny Bloody Yen, yes, ladies and is. gentlemen. Yes, he is. in this. But... Woof. And ben, well, Ben Mendelsohn's in this. You know, Mendo. we've got... I go, Forrest Whitaker. I've got it. Riz Ahmed. Everyone's in this. Mads Mikkelsen. Listen, the thing is, is that it's not got Daisy Ridley. It's not got John Boyega. Yeah, it's not no, got the yeah. people you expect, is my point. But the yeah. thing is, is that it takes you literally to a whole new world and kind of takes you on a ride that is different. Same, same, but different in a really, really good way. I'm just going to point out that in terms of recognisable actors, I went for Donnie Yen before bloody Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> yeah, well... Someone so, had to correct you on yeah. that. <laughs> ITV uh, Half Seven on Saturday night. That's a good Saturday night movie. I think that is a kids. really good Saturday night movie. It's not your Christmassy movie, but it is definitely one to get you excited. We do have Christmassy though for, for Sunday. Oh, do we now? We do. We do. Okay, I'll tell you what, should, I'm not even going to intro it. I'm just going to play this. Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa! Oh, I love him so much. <laughs> uh, my sister owns six copies of this movie on DVD. People keep buying it for her. Do you know she what? 2003, Will Ferrell, yeah. absolute heyday for it. Like, oh, God, yeah. We, we had Anchorman, didn't we? We had Anchorman, yeah. We, now, I wish, I wish we had that again, you know? I wish we had the resurgence of Will Ferrell in this. Not just before Wedding Crashes as well. Yeah, uh, it was such a strong year, and Elf really just, that, that childlike element of it. It makes it, it's visual for the kids to enjoy it. It's Christmassy and wonderful yeah. to look at. Hilarious for the adults. This, in terms of a modern day family Christmas movie, works on every level. I'm going to make a confession to you here go and on, now. Go on, go on. You know the bit when they're all singing to Power of the Slave? Yeah. That emotionally breaks me every time. I'm not kidding. I actually well, cry. You know I people. actually cry you know in that moment. I think it's a genuinely beautiful moment in a movie that really shouldn't have it. Also, as I've said recently, until the incident, a tragic incident at London Bridge, I did not realise that narwhals were real creatures. I thought they were made up for this I movie. I realised that as well recently. Yeah, because he says Mr. Narwhal. I thought that was his name. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I'm with you. Don't worry. It's yeah. a common okay. mistake that's been made. No. Right, Monday. <laughs> Yeah, well, actually, Sunday, that's Elf. Oh, oh. If you want to watch it, it's on ITV at 6.10pm. Perfect time. It's all tea Perfect time on Sunday time. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. If the kids are driving you up the wall, shove that on telly and you'll be good to go. Uh, Monday, Brief Encounter, Ooh, BBC yeah. Two, three o'clock. So David Lean, classic, written by Noel Coward. It, it, it's, it's classic, isn't it? It really is. Uh, um, Ratmaninov's second play. 1945, I know, this film came it out. It is still such a beautiful, romantic movie. If you're needing to go back into kind of your classic collection, yeah. the portfolio films that you really do need to go and watch, this should be up there. And there's no better excuse than on a Monday afternoon, particularly if you're taking that extended time off. Before Christmas, you've got no excuse. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. I yeah. think it's a good one. It's a, it's a perfect three o'clock in the afternoon thing. If you're a hopeless romantic and you've never seen Brief Encounter, you've got to watch you it. You should be shamed. Yeah. It's been so very nice. I've enjoyed my afternoon enormously. I'm so glad. So have I. I apologise for boring you with long medical words. I feel dull and stupid not to be able to understand more. Shall I see you again? It's the other platform, isn't it? You'll have to run. Don't bother about me. Mine's not due for a few minutes. Shall I see you again? Yes, of course. Perhaps we'll come out to catch with one Sunday. It's rather far, I know, but we should be delighted. Please, please. What is it? Next Thursday, the same time. No, I couldn't possibly. Please. I ask you most humbly. It's on uh, BBC Two as well, just in case you wanted to catch that on Monday. But something completely different. Harrison Ford fans, how are you? Chris um, Evans walking past. Chris Evans walking past in an excellent... Um, 
looking quite sunburned, but in an excellent Christmas jumper. Yeah. Um, and jogging bottoms. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's let's Okay, Chris. anyway, we digress. Um, the Fugitive on ITV4, nine o'clock. Harrison Ford fans, there you go. And that's by the greatest monologue Tommy Lee Jones got in his entire in career. His entire career. Listen up, ladies and gentlemen. Our Fugitive has been on the run for 90 minutes. Average foot speed over uneven ground, barring injury, is four miles an hour. That gives us a radius of six miles. What I want out of each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. Checkpoints go up to 15 miles. Your fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball. Go get him. Oh, I love him. There we go. And he got a sequel out of it. He, got, he was so good. He got his own sequel. Do you know who's Oscar nominated for this, Tommy? Uh, why, why, why would you be yeah. surprised about that? Exactly, I know. Um, the few, I'm just checking. Yeah. Is it 95? Because I... Uh, 94, The Fugitive. <sighs> 93, Oh, 93, fact. sorry, yes. I was going to say, if it was 95, that year, oh. that year for movies was just amazing. But On to you... Wednesday, a film we couldn't get a clip for, unfortunately. Uh, this is this is one of my guilty pleasure ones. This is Steven Seagal and DMX in what was Steven Seagal's, I think, third comeback. Uh, this was this, genuinely Steven Seagal's had more comebacks than Travolta, who we will get to later. Exit Wounds, in which Stallone plays a uh, sort of derided police officer who tries to expose corruption in the department with the help of a hip hop cyber artiste played by DMX and with a sidekick played by Anthony Anderson. I mean, yeah. As you do. What's not to love? It's got cool cars. It's got Tom Arnold. Uh, on to Thursday. Oh, that's sorry. That's uh, Five Spike, 10 p.m. Wednesday night. Do check it out. It's a lot of fun. And just remind you that Steven Seagal did one serve a purpose other than gaining weight. So, Thursday night, uh, another film I think is quite romantic. Vanilla Sky. Yeah, I find Vanilla Sky very romantic. I tell you what, here's a sample of why I find it romantic. David, I'm not going to lie to you. I like the way you looked. But. You have to pull it together. Because if not, I'll forget the other guy. You know that other guy? You? I'm still that guy. I'm still that guy. Listen, I don't have a mother, savior, bone in my body. It's not about that. You are coming inside. But if this turns out to be a big mistake, I do have the ability to fall out of love with you. Like that. Yeah. Oh, who didn't fall in love with Penelope Cruz in this movie? Well, yeah, I just, I don't know if I really buy it. Like, I, I've seen it once. I'll probably have to revisit it. I saw it when it came out. Not really sure how I feel about it. No, like, fair then enough. versus now. Do you know what? Having it on telly is a really good excuse and a nudge to kind of say, if you watched it back in the day, you're watching it again, maybe it's worth a little bit of a shout. To Tom Cruise, Cameron Crowe. If you're a, me, if you're a hipster now, yeah. you may watch this film and realise you're not that original. <laughs> You know, I'm just saying, this was 17 years old, and I think it predicted wow. a lot of hipster culture. Years. Yeah. This predicted a lot of hipster, of modern hipster culture. Okay. Yeah. Uh, up to and including the Jason Lee character. I'm just putting that out there. Sony Channel, that one is. Yes, yeah, Sony Channel, 9 p.m. on Thursday. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good thing to do on a Thursday night. If you're not out for a Christmas party, or if you're not at Star Wars. Well, exactly. If you're not at Star Wars that night, which I think most. I mean, I'll, we'll, I'll be sleeping off Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. At that point. Yeah, but, you're, you're uh, going to be there with all the fans. Oh, no, Are you dressing up? Uh, no, no, okay. I was going to, but I, I, I have I, done that before. I have not dressed up, but I've 
sat amongst many a dressed up people. Oh, I left I left all my lightsabers in my uh, packed up stuff in Sheffield. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, last film of the week then, what we got? Daddy's Home, Channel 4, 11.05pm. If you haven't seen this, I encourage you. Why is it on so late? I don't know. This should be like prime time. This is the last Friday before Christmas as well. This was the best movie we could find. Wow, that is crazy. Channel they 4, just saving... 5 past 11. Yeah, that's last crazy. Last Friday before Christmas. Do you know what? Worth staying up for. You know, Or, in fact, if you've gone out to the pub for a few drinks and you're coming home and you think, what am I going to want to watch? It's a good time for that. It is, Maybe isn't it? that's what they're trying to do with it. I'm trying to be the optimist here. Um, Mark Wahlberg, brilliant film. Will Ferrell again. Will Ferrell, yeah. Will Ferrell, I just don't want to just see him play bit parts in it. I want him to have his own films again. I want I him to relive 2003. I want him to have more Stranger Than Fiction again. Yeah, but Mark Wahlberg in himself has become this comedy, brilliant, brilliant comedic actor and he's managed to do it really well by playing the everyman in all these weird scenarios. Well, in this case, he goes, he goes excessive alpha male, doesn't he? But they do perform the great feat of finally having him star opposite the one guy in the world who has always been described as looking like he ate Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> And that is, of course, Johnny Cena himself. Yes! It's finally happened, baby. The powers have aligned. They have combined. And we're back and we're talking home platforms now. Right, I say this every week. I said home platforms. Yep, uh, yeah, I appreciate that yeah. you've said that. That's DVD, Blu-ray, video on demand, anything you can possibly watch it on, okay. you might have to pay for it. <laughs> okay, so on shiny disc and VOD, things you have to pay for or have subscriptions for are from Monday the 16th this week. What a, what a weekend and then what a week to kick things off with, which yeah. is, I love this, Angel Has Fallen. Angel Has Fallen. In I which, love it! Uh, I love it! Super Secret Service agent Mike Banning is framed for an assassination attempt on the president using state-of-the-art drones. He's Gerard Butler, by the way, in case we've forgotten, because this is part three of apparently six now. Um, is it? That has just made my Christmas. Oh, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting, another, we're getting another trilogy of these. I just want one more that's as good as London Has Fallen. Do you know what? Um, the, the trick to this movie mm. is knowing that Gerard Butler knows how ridiculous it is. He does, and you can tell in dialogue like this. <laughs> Did you find me? I want security for the president. How do you think? You've been here the last five years. North Carolina before that, Alaska before that. You see, that's big brother for you. No, actually it was just me wondering if you were still alive. Did you do it? You'd like it if I did, wouldn't you? Dad. Nick Nolte, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Oh, because uh, who do you get to be his dad, really? Oh, brilliant. It's absolute genius because the first film, now was it Olympus was for? Has it fallen? was Olympus London yeah. Angel, yeah. So Olympus had fallen. We all went in for screening. Nobody knew what to expect. Oh, Everyone God. was like, oh God, is Gerard Butler we doing another action? We fell out of our chairs laughing in the second one. Yeah, we did. But in the first one, there was enough laughs to keep you going, Hello, what's this all about? They better bring another one back. Yeah. And then now, then we have a trilogy. And actually, I have to say, out of all of them, this one takes itself the most seriously. It does, doesn't it? And yet, yeah. so it takes itself the most seriously, and yet somehow it's the most stupid. It's a weird contradiction in terms. Do you know what I love? I think some of the action sequences in this are brilliant, because they feel very gritty. There's an incredible drone sequence over a lake, which I think is amazing. Yeah. Uh, it opens up on a very tense um, simulation of... Uh, 
I suppose, ex-Navy SEALs or... Uh, private military contracts, private military which is a big thing, because they do yeah. specifically mention Blackwater and, yeah. and scandals like that. Yeah. Got Danny Houston is a villain. Danny Houston. Oh, he's such a I great villain. I love Danny Houston. Yeah, he's such I mean, a great don't villain. get me wrong, they do swap out the actress who plays his wife and just hope no one notices. I know. I didn't. I noticed because <laughs> the woman they, they swapped her out for happens to be one of my favourite female human beings. But... Piper Perabo from Coyote Ugly. Really? Was that her? That's who plays his wife in wow. this one. Taking over from Robin She's Mitchell. still around. Okay. She's been on telly like, doing, starring in Covert Affairs for what feels like the last oh, decade. Oh, fine. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, this, for me, a movie that you wanna, you're going to want to catch. Um, it's worth the money that you might Another have Another one for. I do think is worth as well, Crawl. Did Remind me. Alligators in the house. Sounds awful. Did you not see this? No. Is right. this the one with Kaya Scott? Kaya Scalario. No, uh, right. I saw the poster. Goes like, to get her dad out of time. out of his house during a hurricane. The house the house basement is flooded. He's down there. Alligators have gotten him. Whatever Van says about this, I'm going to warn you now. It got absolutely panned. And yet, do you know when it hit DVD in in the states back a couple of months ago? All of a sudden, everyone fawned all over it. When it's hit, when it started coming online, things like that, people have started forming up. People oh, it's are, a, it, this it's is an Austin one. Powers. People are reassessing the power, this on the home power of um, home mm, end. Yeah. It's like those B movie gangster films. Yeah. They only do well on DVD. Look, hey, if this is your bag, give it a whirl, maybe. It certainly doesn't appeal to me. It's kind Swedish of Swedish made the plane. penis and larger and me, this kind of thing is my bag, baby. <laughs> if we're going with the Austin Powers analogy. <laughs> See what you did there. Yeah! I hate you. Um, okay, let's move on from that one and let's pick up something that I know we both loved and howled with laughter in. Good Boys. Yes! Right. I saw a bit of this again recently. I always think that there has been, and this doesn't fill that gap entirely, but we're missing something that was as powerful as American Pie when it came out. It yes! Just pushed you. Doesn't have a punch anymore, does it? Nothing no. quite has that. No. The impact. This mm. moved the bar a little bit towards it because you've got pre pre-tweens even. Well, like, thing, this was arguably super bad for tweens, yes, wasn't it, really? Yeah. And it's got like Jacob Tremblay and a few other really talented kid stars. And they star as a group of friends who had the worst day ever. Put the drone on the slide and count back from a hundred and close your eyes and don't try anything funny. There are witnesses. Okay, we have a long drive ahead of us, so give us the bag or I will hurt you. Do not test me. Threats will get you nowhere, peasant. Just give us the Molly! Okay, who's Molly? Because she's not with us. Ah, guys, Molly is a sex drug. Dateline did an expose on it. You had us bring drugs to a playground? There are children here! It's that squealing voice, isn't it? That yeah. kid is like a little Craig Armstrong. He's yeah. brilliant. It's so brilliant. I mean, it's crude, yeah. it's foul-mouthed, it's so funny. And I think it's like an hour and a half long, so it's an easy kind of movie to just take in, enjoy, kind of go, oh my God, I'm so glad my kids aren't like that. My friend, my friend Katie <laughs> watched this recently yeah. and uh, just texted me straight after, it's so good. I went, I promise you it's a lot funnier if you've ever actually been a 12-year-old boy, yeah. then it's just uncomfortable. Do you know what, These, this is one of those films that I think a friend of mine told me the other day that she caught Booksmart. Right? Oh yes, yeah. one of my films of the year. Exactly, right? Yeah. And But she didn't go and see it at the cinema, mm. but she caught it on DVD or on demand or whatever mm. she saw it on. And she was like, why didn't I see this before? And I think that's how you're going to feel about Good Boys yes, as well. I think, I think so. it's definitely got that element to it. So for me, if you're needing to rent something to kind of keep you entertained, if you're not going out this Christmas period, check that one out. It will yeah. give you the naughty laughs. 
Overall, on streaming platforms. Oh, one. yes. One that I was hoping to catch, I never got to. Uh, the Two Popes. Yes. Uh, is out on Netflix from uh, Friday the 20th. For some reason, I've written Friday the 10th in my, uh, in my notes because I am a fool. Friday um, the 20th. I mean, that, for me, I almost can't wait. <laughs> I mean, it, it seems strange to have this Catholic, uh, this ca political Catholic drama drop on Netflix on the 20th. You know, the last Friday before Christmas, but uh, Fernando uh, Morellas, uh, director of Constant Gardener, has, has brought us this. And he's written by Anthony McCartan, who gave us The Theory of Everything. Yeah. And this is based on his own stage play. And stars Anthony Hopkins. And stars Anthony Hopkins and uh, Jonathan Price. Now, Hopkins, I think, is Pope Benedict. Yeah. And Jonathan Price is Pope Francis. I've got this down. Pope Francis. And it is about that shift in power. It is about as the scandals began to, began to come out, how the Catholic Church would move forward into a new century, how it would assess yeah. what its priorities would be and what the optics of the Catholic Church would be in the eyes of 1.2 billion subjects, it would say. Now, I hear amazing things about this. Uh, well, didn't it, it got a load of Golden Globe nods. It did, yes. Uh, Which Morales made the my ears pricked well. up for that, because as soon as I saw that, I was like, Oh, have I just dismissed this? And then we've mm. got to come back and revisit it. Well, you're going to find out in a week. Yeah, exactly. And it's great that actually, if you haven't heard of it before, because it, it's on stream, streaming, because it's going to be on Netflix, it's one of those great examples of where you're probably going to be able to watch a great movie that you wouldn't have otherwise seen. So in other words, like how 90% of people saw The Irishman. The Irishman, Roma from last year. Yeah, and yeah. we'll see, what well, in fact, how 100% of people will see Six Underground this week. I know. The new Michael uh, Bay you know epic. What? Yeah, I, I can't wait for that. I'm watching the crap out of that. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm also really looking forward to seeing The Free Guy next year with Ryan Reynolds Ooh, as well. yes. That, yes that looks to be very, very funny. Anyway, the final movie on our list of streaming today is you're going to have to tell me about this. Right. It's on Amazon Prime. It's called The Fanatic and it's available from Friday as right. well. Right. Uh, brace yourself, because this is getting nominated for no Golden Globes. This has been nominated for no Golden Globes. This will, at best, be nominated for Razzies. It is written by, directed by, and produced by Fred Durst. It stars... As in Limp Biscuit. As in Limp Biscuit, Fred Durst. Good it stars Lord. John Travolta and Devon Sauer. What? And Casper, the friendly ghost. Yes, <laughs> and star of the very first instalment of the, uh, the Final Destination series. Uh, he is a sort of, he is an action movie star okay. whose greatest fan is John Travolta. John Travolta, who, by the way, plays a complete loser named Moose. I have seen a photo. You now have, it's all coming back you, to me. Because I tweeted and posted a lot about this yeah. movie as well. John Travolta is literally introduced to this movie with the following line of dialogue. I can't talk too long. I gotta poo. Welcome back, Johnny. Your thespian skills have been missed, sir. You have to wonder why he bought into this. I don't know. Apparently, the film was originally called Moose. It was regarded as being something a lot more serious than it actually turned out. To be fair to it, they are trying to do something different, a lot more psychological with this. It plays like a weaker version of Ryan Felipe's directorial debut, Catch Hell, from a few years ago. And exactly sod all people saw Catch Hell. So you can imagine that this one, probably fewer people are gonna see. Um, it's ridiculous to the extreme. There is a sequence in which Devon Sauer literally stops to talk about how awesome Limp Biscuit were back in the day, which you can't help but think is a little too on the nose. Uh, the problem is Travolta cannot... I mean, I can't tell if he's taking it too seriously or not seriously enough, because at one point he's... Uh, I think those, he's taking it very seriously. Those performers on Hollywood Boulevard, the ones who are dressed up as Spider-Man and things, he dresses up as an English Bobby and does the accent, and okay. it's just the silliest thing you've ever seen. It's worth seeing because you will cry with laughter all the way through it. Um, 
Um, do, you, do you think that this is a good film to end our podcast on? I do. I do. I really do. Purely for... I can't talk too long. I gotta poo. Travolta's epic entrance. Just worth it for that. Just so you can say you heard John Travolta introed in a movie by saying... I can't talk too long. I gotta poo. And I can't believe that we played that three times. Shall we end this now? I think so. So next week, uh, interesting one, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, cats next cats, week. Cats, yeah. I mean, um, internet memes at the ready. Yeah, yeah, imagine that one. Um, I believe some Skywalkers are rising okay. next week. Yep. And I think because it's our last show before Christmas, Christmas. we're going to have to talk about the stuff that's out on Boxing Day as well. Yeah. So that's going to be like Playing With Fire and Little, Little Women. Women. Is it just those two? I think so. I think so. That's a good lineup. Or maybe The Gentleman. Oh no, that's 1st of January. 1st of January. Yeah. Although technically we can do that as well. Yeah. I think we should just do a preview but we squeeze everything that we've Let's seen. Let's see what we've got. Everything that we've seen up until the next time we come I back. I might even throw in a little bit of my review of the year. I think I think podcast extras. For there that. we go. Do those podcast nice. extras afterwards. Do a little review of the year. There we go. Talk about our favourites. I've got a list of like 20. Okay, fine. But uh, and you want to predict it? I any of them. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> well, guys, this has been Off Screen for another week, your seven-day guide to movies on and off the big screen. We hope you've enjoyed it once again. Thank you so much for tuning in with us and sticking with us again. It's Christmas just around the corner, but we'll be back next week with some Skywalkers. Boom. Boom.